It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtaran. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent June 2nd in the year of our Lord, 2019. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramtaran, the podcast. Get your shoes shined up, boy. Boy. Ooh, I'm gonna run you ragged, boy. There was a time when I could have had you shot. If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramtre and the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. Diploma in theater arts. 18 years of service. Ups and downs, smiles and frowns. Been busting my hump trying to make it as an actor. I have to admit, I'm not always the most forthcoming to uh, do what I'm a supposed to do. To do what I'm, a, I'm a supposed to do. Oh, Lord, I tell you, sometimes I... Dear Lord, sometimes I tells you, I just tells you, I'm not, I'm not as forthcoming as it is, Lord, to do as I says I'm supposed to. Do what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes I'm just not with it, you know? I have to admit... I remember growing up as an actor, taking acting classes. I went to, like, theater camps when I was a teenager, like 12, 13. I was in school plays. I went to theater school at the age of 19. And through it all, I, I always remember kind of digging my heels in, butting heads a little bit, people trying to tell you how to act, why to act, what is acting. And a lot of it just comes from the gut. You gotta feel it in your soul, the art, the heart and soul of a thespian, the actor. A lot of it's just like in your heart and soul. Though there is some theory, there is um, ways in which to sharpen your instrument, as they call it. In the acting community, in the acting world, your body, your voice, your mind is your instrument. So there are ways to sharpen your instrument. For example, Stanislavski's The Method Acting, which is basically using your emotional memory, emotional experience to heighten your performance. And there's a branch of that taught by Meisner, Sanford Meisner, the American acting teacher, Sanford Meisner. It's a branch of The Method Acting, which he kind of coined as The Meisner technique, Meisner technique or method, whatever. And that's a branch, an offshoot of method acting, which focuses more on the magic if, to act as if under imaginary circumstances, to train your mind and imagination to act as if. To, um, to have a rich inner imaginary life versus calling upon real emotional memory. So there are little ways in which you can heighten your performance. There's stuff that you can learn. But like throughout my time, I've always noticed I've had a penchant. I've had a tendency to dig my heels in and want to do my own thing. So um, where, I'm at, where I'm at right now with my career is, even though I've trained and I have some, you know, technical background, I guess you could call it, I am 
trying to do my thing independently, though I am also open to more commercial work. I would like to somehow, perhaps, I don't know, maybe get an agent, maybe go out for auditions, maybe try to do things the commercial route. Even though I got a very strong indie spirit, I got an indie heart, an indie heart beating in me, so I just want to do shit independently, to be honest. I got a temperamental nigger attitude. <clears throat> Did I just drop that? Uh-oh. Yes, you ornery black man. Ooh. Uh, aptly enough, we're going to be talking about that word in this podcast. But yes, uh, I got that black man independent spirit. And um, I don't know. It butt heads with people a lot. Not over even race and shit, but when it comes down to performing and stuff, it's just, I don't know, man. It's, I don't know, it's, there's so much there. There's so much there. It could either be favoritism, nepotism. It could be ego. It could be all sorts of reasons, but what I'm trying to do is just do me, you know? You get lost in the woods when you start questioning the who, what, where, when, and why, how of a situation that is so large, you know? How do you make a career in show business? Food for thought. But um, as I said, um, open to more commercial work, even though I have a very independent heart, right? So going forward, I got plans to like, you know, perhaps maybe study a little bit more uh, in school, maybe take some, uh, some training to up my game. Uh, on a technical level, some technical training, uh, but I'll talk more about that as time comes to talk about that. Uh, if you're new to the show, I am also a alcoholic. Yes, two years and six months of sobriety. If you need sobriety in your life, please do go out and seek it. It'll change your life. It'll make you a more full, realized version of yourself. It's a gift to yourself. It's a reinvestment in yourself. What I did was, I was at the end of my rope. My life sucked. I figured, what can I do? The most exciting thing I can do to change, to change what's going on with me. The answer was recovery. I got into a 12-step program. I started taking accountability, baby steps, day by day. And after a while, those days add up, and here we are. Two years, six months of sobriety. Um, well back into my career as an actor, you know, humbly putting, aside, humbly putting aside money to further my acting career. The world's my motherfucking oyster. <laughs> there ain't no need to stress. Hallelujah. I am also a janitor. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm a janitor. So what? Huh? I mop floors, sweep up dirt, 
Pick out garbage? What? You wouldn't kiss a janitor, huh? Too grimy for you, huh? Too dirty for you, huh? Huh? No, Jonathan, no, I love you. It's not that at all. Uh, my father was a janitor. I think janitors are very sexy, actually, with the keychain and the little gloves they wear. No, Jonathan, no. It's all in your head. I never said anything bad about janitors. Ah, you're lying. You're lying to me, you lying bitch. <clears throat> yeah, I'm a janitor. Uh, I work at a downtown office. Um, I'm very grateful for it for two reasons. Number one, it, uh, it maintains me. It maintains my financial needs. I have to pay rent. I have to pay bills. Duh. So it's a paycheck. And also, it facilitates my sobriety. Idle hands are the devil's playground. Yes, idle hands are the devil's playground. So when you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs, that's when the thoughts start creeping in. Hmm, maybe if I did this, or maybe if I did that, or maybe I could drink, or maybe I could smoke a joint or whatever, right? So idle hands are the devil's playground. So having this full-time janitor gig, it provides me with an income, and it keeps me in the lane of sobriety. I got something to do during the day to keep myself focused. And number two, it allows me to invest in my acting, right? The reality is if acting isn't handed to you or performance or a career in the arts, if it isn't handed to you, which it is for a lot of people, and God bless them, but if it's not just handed to you, you have to go out and get it. And to go out and get it, there are realities. you got to set up camp. Well, you need a home. You can't very well try to um, step your game up as a performer, a, an artist, or whatever, living in the streets. I've done it. I've lived in a homeless men's shelter before. I've been that kind of fucked up. I've been that kind of down and out. You know, lived in a men's shelter for four months. I was drinking every day. I even did MM MDMA in a fucking men's shelter once. <laughs> you know, some guy comes up to me. Yo, dude, do you like pills? I'm like, yeah, sure, give me that. Hands me four pills. I pop two of them. Flying around on MDMA in a fucking men's shelter, drinking beer, chain-smoking cigarettes, down and out, 2012, you know, and, you know, if you want to fucking go ahead in life, you have to take care of certain responsibilities, right? So, um, I want to go ahead with my life, I want to go ahead with my performing career, and that's just a part of the game, Working a job to pay for the overhead. You know, I got an apartment. I'm able to go home there, rest, work on my craft, have a home base. So those are the realities of the performer. You know, if it's not just handed to you, well, you got to chase it somehow. And you need money to do that. So um, that's a part of uh, the game. All in a day's work. I'm a janitor, baby, so why don't you kill me? I am also, last of all, a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's a blessed little thing that I do. I've been doing it for 11 years now. And um, again, like everything, ups and downs, smiles and frowns, I host a show of my own, Our Righteous Mike. 
I put that show on every other Thursday. So every second and fourth Thursday of the month in downtown Toronto, Cranberry's Restaurant, charming little hole in the wall, 601 Parliament Street, Toronto, Canada, in the heart of Cabbage Town, Cranberry's Restaurant. Cranberry's Restaurant. Has a nice little ring to it, right? <laughs> I was barking outside of my show. They call it barking when it's like uh, handing out tickets, trying to wrangle in, finagle, rustle in uh, customers, patrons, audience, right? So I'm standing outside my gig uh, last Thursday, and I'm barking, right? I'm like, butter chicken comedy night, ladies and gentlemen, butter chicken comedy night. What do you say? What do you say there, sir? Butter chicken comedy night, huh? Garlic shrimp, nan bread, couple chuckles, couple guffaws. What do you say, pal? I'm like handing out tickets and shit. I got a couple laughs, couple chuckles, people were smiling, kind of interested, some people took tickets. You never know, right? You got to plant that seed in these motherfuckers' minds, right? You got to go out there amongst the people. Can't take nothing for granted. You know, that's another thing. When life doesn't just hand you shit, you can't take it for granted. So I can't just take it for granted that, oh, people are going to give a shit about what I'm doing. No, I got to go out there and meet the people. How you doing there, buddy? Are you interested in a butter chicken comedy night? Cranberries restaurant, huh? What do you say, pal? Couple chuckles, couple guffaws, garlic bread, huh? What do you like that shit? Here's, here's a couple tickets. Come on down. Come on down and have a couple chuckles on your old pal here, John Ramtran. What, what do you say, buddy? You know? And you got to go out there and talk to the people. Spit that shit, you know? It's all good. So there you have it. Those are the four things that sum me up at the moment. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor, alcoholic, janitor, stand-up comedian. So, welcome to the show. Um, I had a very interesting week. Um, today is Sunday morning. June 2nd, it's the beginning of June, it's been strange weather lately, kind of rainy, kind of um, semi-spring, semi-summer, and uh, I've been reflecting, been reflecting, because um, generally speaking, uh, the first year of the podcast, this is episode 77, I believe, yes, so the first year of the podcast... Um, everything was tickety-boo. I was getting the show up, recorded, uploaded in a relative timely fa fashion. Uploaded uh, midweek, every Tuesday or Wednesday, podcast, up and ready to go. Well, lately I've been uh, taking on some more responsibilities. I've gone full-time as a janitor. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Full-time as a janitor, as I said, that's how you got to do it for yourself, if that's what your uh, story is. So um, here I am, going full-time as a janitor, uh, hosting the show, as I mentioned, Our Righteous Mike, and uh, also trying to live a life, X, Y, and Z. So it's been a kind of a new challenge these last couple months, because I've gone full-time uh, this past two months. So it's been two months since I've been a full-time janitor. Hustling the janitor shit during the day, 
Hustling the Comedy podcast at night. And uh, yeah, it's just been a different vibe, different responsibilities, different uh, pace. So I'm just trying to readjust to that and get the podcast back up midweek, you know, that way people at work during the week, if they're into the show, they got a little outlet. They can, you know, throw on the fucking Jonathan Ramtran the podcast, have a couple chuckles, guffaws, and uh, Bob's your uncle. If you have any questions, queries, or qualms regarding that, please hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Let me know. Let me know the ideal time frame for the podcast. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Hit me up. It's also been a strange week in regards to my emotions, my emotional state. It's been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, I was reflecting upon that because... Um, I was feeling kind of out of sorts, and uh, I guess something that I've just matured into is thinking about my thoughts, thinking about my feelings. When I'm feeling a certain way, when I'm going through things, I stop and reflect upon them. That's a new thing for me, you know? Um, When I came in the game as a youngin', you know, back in the get, back in the day, just as a youngin, like you, you don't think about that shit. You just react. You know, you just oh, I'm mad. Oh, I'm sad. What does it mean? You just running around like a chicken. I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm sad. I'm sad. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Like you just run around like a chicken when you was a youngin. And today, uh, I got some reflection. So as I say, it's been a kind of a strange week. So let me tell you about it. So, last Sunday, I was holed up in bed. Lying in bed, just like Brian Wilson did. Now I'm lying in bed, just like Brian Wilson did. Do you know that song by the Bare Naked Ladies? Brian Wilson? Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. This is a part of um, rock and roll history. The Beach Boys, like them or not, they were a very uh, influential rock band. And um, their lead singer, songwriter, bassist, Brian Wilson, who was kind of the musical compass of the group, somewhere in, the, somewhere in his career, I don't know where, it was probably around the 70s or something, top of his game, top of his career, top of his game, and... Apparently, he was doing a lot of drugs and partying and all that stuff. And somewhere in there, he went into a full-on depression where he just laid in bed for like months, maybe a year. I don't know. But it was wildly, it was wildly, widely publicized that he was in this depression where he was just in bed. And Bare Naked Ladies, they had that song... Lying in bed, just like Brian Wilson did. And now I'm lying in bed, just like Brian Wilson <clears throat> The Canadian rock band, uh, Bare Naked Ladies. These apples are delicious. I like them, they're cool. But anyway, um, I was holed up in bed last Sunday, like Brian Wilson did, like the Bare Naked Ladies sang. Um, I was holed up in bed. I was depressed. 
And sometimes I get depressed. Um, nothing major, nothing chronic, nothing I can't get out of. But sometimes I do catch a depressive wave if I've been putting my energies out in a direction and I'm being, and sometimes you just get overwhelmed if you get negative feedback. What I'm starting to realize in life is you, you, sh- you should just do, I don't know, for me, what I'm realizing in life is I should just do things without too much ex- expectation involved, you know? Is that like the Buddhist way? Is that like the Zen way? I don't know, but I should be doing things with less expectation because it's just the mystery of life. I can't control outcome, but I can control my output. That's kind of cute. I can't control the outcome, but I can't control the output, right? I can control what I put out, my output, but I can't control the outcome. So I was putting my energies in a, into um, my show, Our Righteous Mike. I've been putting out a lot of energy into that area. And I was getting some momentary feedback that I wasn't happy with. It definitely wasn't the summation of my experience hosting this show. But it was just the momentary feedback for that week of the show. The week of last week was a bad week for Our Righteous Mike. It just was. Last week sucked for Our Righteous Mike, the show that I hosted. I host. And um, it was just a shit week, and I'd been putting out a lot of energy, and I was just gassed. I was like, yo, I'm done for the week. I'm done for the week. I'm just done for the week. Usually, I try to get the most out of every day. Right? I mean, I got to get up and do things. I'm happy. I'm alive. I'm, I'm, a, I'm like everybody. I got stuff to do. So I get up early and I get on my grind. And uh, Sunday, last Sunday, a week ago, it was not like that. I laid in bed all fucking day. Just fucking laid there. I was just tired and done. I was stuffing myself with, um, I've been eating a lot of french fries lately. Not the worst thing in the world, just like, um, you know, like McCain french fries from the grocery store. You bake them in the oven, so at least you don't get the fried grease. But, um, you know, um, uh, you know, like eating starchy potatoes and eating a lot of candy, which I was also eating. I was eating like chocolate bars, Starburst candies, Skittles. So I'm eating all this sugar and all these starchy potatoes, and I was starting to get that bloated uh, belly, you know? Laying in, dep- laying in bed depressed, bloated stomach, disillusioned, you know, really having a disillusioned sense to what was going on with my with just what I was doing in general. I don't want to say life because I'm happy to live life as waking up and drinking a cup of coffee. I'm happy to live life as walking down the street. I'm an everyday person. I'm everyday people. There isn't one, one that doesn't like 
like the short one for being with the fat one who's trying to be the skinny one. Different strokes for different folks. And so on and so on. It's Scooby Dooby Dooby. We need to live together. Sly and the Family Stone, baby. Everyday people. I'm an everyday motherfucker, man. I'm happy to walk down the street, drink a cup of coffee, stare at a blue jay, you know, pet a dog, kiss a kitten, you know, skip a rock over a pond. Like, I don't give a fuck, man. I'm a normal, everyday person. I'm happy to do that. I love that about life. Don't ever take that away from me. The beautiful thing of a sunrise. I'm sitting here. uh, It's 519 in the a.m. Eastern Standard Time. The sun will be peeking up pretty soon. It's kind of a wet kind of a wet rainy morning but it's got that that glow that glow of a morning a morning brew the morning is brewing outside and like i'm happy that way so i'm not like disillusioned with being alive i'm never disillusioned with life i mean i get life i'm a part of life i'm alive but i'm disillusioned with Like, I was feeling very disillusioned last week with, like, my, I guess you could call it, situation. Like, you know, it's like, I'm putting on this show. I'm not getting the results I want. I'm working as a janitor, which I'm happy to do, but it's obviously not my dream job. So something's got to give. I've been pushing and pushing and pushing, and I feel like I've come up against a wall. And I was disillusioned and I was depressed and I was laying in bed. Then Monday morning rolled around and I was like still major depressed. I was like, yo, fuck this. Like, fuck this. I should just call in sick today and take the day off. I was planning to take the day off. I was just laying in bed. But then I got to thinking, I'm like, you know what, man? Get up and be a man. What is this shit you're going to take the day off from work because you're depressed? Now, granted, I don't suffer from major depression. I don't, so I'm not um, discounting um, the gravity, the gravitas of depression. I'm not discounting that. I was temporarily depressed, and I was considering taking a day off, like basically like a personal day. And I said to myself, Jonathan, get up, be a man. Thank God that you don't have major depression and go to work. Just go to work and get on with it. And I, and it also crossed my mind that I would be letting down my coworkers. I got coworkers that are janitors just like me. And if I were to call in sick, now their day is immensely more difficult. They got to cover my ass, the shit that I'm supposed to do on top of their work. So it just piles on them. And I was, I was truly thinking, I'm like, yo, if I don't go to work, I'm going to be really fucking my boss over and I'm going to be fucking over my coworkers. And for no real reason, I mean, just because what, I'm in a pissy mood? Like, no, get up and get on with it, right? Someone's got to mop that floor, right? You got your little mop bucket. You push your little mop bucket. Then you dunk, you dunk your mop and you, 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 you dunk your mop in the mop water, then your mop in the floor, 
You know, someone's got to do that. I can't just be uh, shucking the blame or passing the buck. So I was like, okay, get your ass up and hurrah. So I went into work. And then I wound it up having, I ended up, wound it up, wind it up, man. I ended up having this week of like, like Jedi, Zen, Buddhist-like understanding. I don't know what it was. I just, like, once the veil got dropped, you know, once the disillusion set in, and I just kind of, I just kind of had this thing of, I just kind of had this realization of, like, acceptance and no expectation, and I just kind of dropped my guard. I was just like, yo, let it be. I don't know. Somehow it just came to me or whatever. I was just like, I'm just going to be in the moment, do what I got to do, get through this shit, basically. I'm just like, I'm just like, yo, let's do this. You know, because I was, sometimes when you're having a hard time in life, or sometimes when you're disillusioned or depressed or whatever, you tend to fight it. At least I do. I tend to fight it. No, that's not what I want. And I put up my guard and I get defensive and I'm angry and I'm this and I'm that. And it's like dragging a screaming toddler. (laughs) It's like dragging a screaming toddler out of a candy store. No, Jimmy, you can't have any fucking candy. (laughs) And you're dragging a stupid little screaming ass out of a candy store. It's like, you know, fighting with a toddler sometimes when you're in that that, um, expectant resist mode and I just dropped my guard dropped my defenses and said fuck it let's get on with life and I had like this zen buddhist week jedi master shit at work I was just like nothing phased me a problem would arise and I'd just be like wax on wax off another problem would come at me okay I'm just gonna shift it over here another problem would come at me mmm Jedi master you must become mmm like I had like a little Yoda on my back. He's like, hmm, use the force, young one. Hmm. So I felt like, you know, I had Yoda in my quarter. I'm like, yeah, Yoda, tell me what to do. Hmm, you're doing a good job, you are. Hmm. And I was just like, you know, water off a duck's ass, quack. Nothing bothered me. Somebody would piss on the floor. I'd just go mop it up. Mopping it up. Who cares, right? Somebody would shit in a toilet and clog it. I'd go plunge it. No problem. Plunging a toilet, you know? Nothing bothered me. Yoda was on my side. Much to learn you have. (laughs) And, like, it was totally fine. And even in the face of a lot of um, what I would call... um, What would I call it? I guess I would call it um, racial tension. Yeah, let's call it what it is. There was a scent, a scent, you could smell it on the air, a scent, a feeling, a palpable, tangible reality of racial tension this week in general throughout, um, I guess, society as I see it, you know, um, a few things happened that were just really, really, um, like, racially, racially charged. It was kind of an ugly week for that. 
Um, I don't know if it's the new summer weather that's bringing that's bringing it about, but um, there was a lot of racial tension in the air. Like for example, I go to Dollarama, you know the dollar store, Dollarama. I go to Dollarama, and um, I can't stomach all the suspense that's going on at Dollarama these days. Like, what the fuck's going on? Are they going to hire another cashier? Aren't they going to hire a cashier? Every time I go in there, it's always the same thing. We need another, we need backup. We need a backup, backup. The cashier, she's on the fucking phone. We need backup. On the uh, speaker, calling for backup. They're always so short-staffed. They don't have any staff working. They got like fucking a million people in the lineup. Everybody's like in a rush. There's so many different weirdos that shop at Dollarama. Oh my God. You got the senile like old lady with a million stupid things. that takes her fucking 10 minutes to pay for her stupid order. You got the fucking drug addicts, the street people. You got the dumb teenagers. You got the fucking prissy fucking dummy fucking dum-dums. It's just a shit show going to Dollarama these days, man. Well, you know, oh my God, the, the fucking, oh, the humanity. Just the people at Dollarama. Ugh. It's like the people of Walmart. It's like the same type of people. So anyways, there I am at Dollarama. And I'm purchasing some candy. You know, I got a bunch of candy in my basket. Um, I hand out candy at my show, uh, the show that I host, Our Righteous Mike, the comedy show that I host. I usually have candy for the comics, and I hand it out to the to the guests too. You know, just a little something, brighten up the show. And uh, so there I am, standing in line with my uh, candy, and I notice. This big, tall, black guy. He's obviously some sort of street person, substance abuser, mental mental condition disorder. Like, something's going on with this guy, right? You could tell. It's obvious. You know those people that are just like, (laughs) and when they walk, it's always loud, and I can't even walk normally without, you know, sounding stupid. Everywhere I go, I'm just this loud, bumbling, dumb person. Like, he just had that stupid fucking vibe about him, right? I'm like, oh, God, right? I'm like looking at him, and he's trying to leave the store. So as he's trying to leave the store, the security guard pops up on him, right? The security guard. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. I want to see what's in your backpack. I want to see what's in your backpack. Empty your backpack. And the black guy's just like, Yo, fuck you. Fuck you, you, you dibble-dabble-dabble-doo. You fucking dooby-dabble-dabble-doo. You dibble-dabble-dabble-doo. Fuck you. Fuck you. So the black guy's making like these racial... <laughs> stereotypes, uh, impersonations, racial racial slurs towards this Indian man, right? He's all, you fuck you, you fuck you, you dibble dabble, you dabble dibble dabble dibble dabble dibble doo. He's mocking him. So then the Indian guy gets beaking, gets to kabeeking, talking back to the black guy, right? He goes, oh yeah, sir, keep talking, sir, keep talking to me, like, keep talking, sir, keep talking. I'm going to call the police. I'm going to call the police. So like they're going back and forth. Fuck you, you double double double. Okay, keep talking, keep talking, sir. Keep talking. They're they're babbling at each other. 
So then out of, the, out of nowhere comes this uh, cashier. She inserts herself into the situation. She starts screaming at the black guy. You know what? This is my store. You don't come into my store and steal. Let's see what's in your bag. Empty your bag. What is this? See? You're a thief. You stole this. This is from my store. This is my store. She kept saying it was her store, the cashier. You know, uh, whatever. I guess she's co-owner or whatever, franchisee. Probably not, just a mental patient in herself. But anyway, this is my store. This is my store. She's screaming at the guy. So then the guy goes, the black guy goes, Yo, well, fuck, fuck you, you, you white bitch. Fuck you, you white bitch. So then the white chick goes, I'm a white bitch, am I? Well, fuck you, nigger. You're a fucking nigger. Unfucking believable. I'm standing there with a basket full of fucking Skittles and fucking like um, chocolate bars and fucking um, lollipops. I got fucking Willy Wonka's panties in my basket. I'm I'm standing there. I'm like, uh, what? Fuck you, nigger. I was like, holy sh, what? And all of a sudden, excuse me, sir. Next, please. I was like, what? I look. The other cashier at the till, she's calling me. Next, please. <laughs> As if everything, okay, next, please. Unbelievable. Your co-worker's over there screaming nigger. And then they're like, okay, sir, you're next. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. I, I took the basket and I just put it on the counter and walked out. And it was such a racially tense moment. The black guy obviously started the problem. The security officer and the cashier escalated the problem. I mean, these are people that are employees of a store. And they are, um, for all the intents and purposes, they're, they're on duty. They're on shift. They're of clear mind, allegedly. Seemingly of sound mind. Seemingly. They're in the workforce. They're in the public eye. They seem somewhat of a clear mind. What are you engaging with this fucking street person for? That's where a lot of the problems started. They should have just gone into his bag, took his stuff, called the cops. No, they're getting to this conversation with him. Yo, fuck you. Yo, fuck you. Oh, sir, sir. Oh, keep talking, sir. Keep talking, sir. Keep talking. Why are you even talking to him? He's a fucking mental patient. Call the cops. He's stealing from the store. Just call the cops. Don't engage with him. Well, no, they engage with this fucking street person. They, they go into his little world of chaos, arguing back and forth. Bottom line, they all acted like idiots. They all acted like complete idiots. You know, in a lot of ways, I don't even care that the black guy was, was stealing. Because, you know, he was obviously in a mental disorder, substance abuse problem, like what you what do you, what should you expect from a person like that okay you caught him send him on his way don't give him a fucking tutorial or a a fucking a scolding you're not going to scold a crackhead <laughs> you're not going to scold a crackhead don't do crack like <laughs> what oh sir 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 you're a thief sir you're a thief like doesn't matter he doesn't care you know they all acted like idiots. It was just such an ugly, 
scenario, like I said, I just put my basket down and I left. So I wind up telling this story on stage at my show the following day, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm up there and I'm telling the story and I'm acting it out and, you know, it's going pretty good. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens with it. It was going pretty good, getting some laughs and shit. But then there was a white guy in the crowd and, um, you know, something happened where I was just like, uh, it was kind of odd. It just struck me as odd. Have you ever had that happen when someone says something to you and it just, you, your inner gut, your inner gut, your, your sense of uh, protection, your instinct pops in, right? So something happened where like in the audience member, he said something and um, I remember just being like, huh, what? And I kind of said something back, but sometimes when you're in the heat, of, when you're in the heat, in the moment of performing, you don't always remember what's being said. You're just kind of shooting from the hip, right? So I was like, well, what did that guy say? Okay, whatever. So the show went well. And actually, it was actually a very uplifting thing because we had a great show as compared to last week. Last week sucked. This week was a, it was a good show. So after the show, I'm packing up my gear. And the white dude in the audience, he comes up to me, this old guy. And he's talking. And he's blah, blah, this and blah, 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 that, and tell, talking to me about race. And something in me just went on like autopilot. Like, you ever just tune somebody out? Like, you're just straight up not listening. Like, it was strange. Like, it was like almost like in, intuition. My intuition, like, intuitively, I just decided I'm, I'm blocking this guy out. He starts talking. Oh, yeah, that was a good show there, sir. And, uh, you know, here's something I want to say to you about race. Uh, here's my idea about race. And but as he starts talking, I just tune him right the fuck out. I'm, like, looking at him. I'm just watching his lips bounce around, right? His lips are just bouncing. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then whenever he would, like, pause, he would, like, pause in his story as, like, a moment of revelation or something. And I'd just be like, oh, okay, uh uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, right? And then he'd continue talking and, uh and I remember thinking after, okay, nice to meet you, nice to see you, thank you, bye. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, like why wasn't I listening to him? Why did I just, why did I just tune him out like that? That's not cool. Like I should be more open-minded. I remember thinking that afterwards. I'm like, wow, you just tuned that guy out. You weren't even listening to it at all. To what? Like I have no idea what the fuck he was saying. And I don't know why I did that. Why did I just intuitively choose to tune him out? I'm like, hmm, that's weird. So then, the following day, I'm listening to the recording. Now, as a comic, you should record your sets, listen to them to see what's going on, what worked, what didn't. Try to fine-tune your act. So I'm I'm reviewing my act. uh, I'm reviewing my set from that night, and that's when it hits me. The audience member, that white guy, I'm in the middle of telling that story about uh, the shit that went down at Dollarama, and then that white guy pops up, He's in the audience, and he's like, Oh, no, I can't believe it. They got niggers at uh, Dollarama. Uh-huh. He said something like that. Oh, oh no, niggers at Dollarama. Uh-huh. Like, he just dropped the word nigger so fucking cavalierly, so casually. And that's the thing that white people should understand. You don't need to do anything. You don't have to do anything. But white people should understand 
that as a black person, the last thing I want to hear out of anybody's mouth, aside from another brother or sister, is the word nigger. Now, I personally don't really drop it that often. Like at the top of the show, you heard me drop it there. Just, I don't know, it slipped out. Personally, I don't say it that often. And I don't even really mind it if, you know, brothers come up to me. Yo, what's up, my nigga? Hey, my nigga this, my nigga that. Like, I don't mind. I don't usually say it. It's not the way I was raised. It's not how I talk. But I, I understand. It's a word of endearment. It's in the, it's in the, it's in our culture, the black culture, to, you know, use it amongst ourselves. But that's the last word I want to hear out of anybody's mouth other than a black person. And that's just the way it is. Now, white people, Asian people, South Asian people, um, whatever, other races, you can feel free to drop the word nigger whenever you want. But just know that that is how you are viewed. You know, there's always a consequence and repercussion for your behavior. There's going to be consequences and repercussions for your behavior. If you use the word nigger and you're not a black person, as a black man, I'm going to look at you and think, okay, at the very least, that's a person who doesn't understand me. You don't understand that I don't want to hear those words leave your lips under any fucking circumstance. It's just a stupid word that you should not use. It's simply that. It's just as simple as that. I don't want to hear you use that word. And if you can't understand that or respect that, at the very least, I have to think you don't understand me. And this is, this is borderline disrespect. Are you fucking with me? Like, how could you as a white person, how could you as a race other than black stand there and say that word around, another, uh, around a black person? Like, are you out of your fucking mind? Are you that, like, uh, aloof? So that's what happened with this dude. And my instinct popped in. And, that's, and, that's, and that's, what I, that's the message I'm trying to say here. It's like, I didn't hate the guy. I don't think the guy was racist. But my intuition, my gut just told me, oh, this guy doesn't really understand you and he's kind of an idiot. And that's why I totally fucking like, you know, basically ignored him when he was talking to me after the show. My intuition took over. My black radar took over. Oh, baby, time to be black. Mmm, honey, something going on here. My black radar took over, man. Because he's talking at me and shit. I'm like, why is it? Fuck this guy, basically. You know, fuck this idiot. I don't think he's a racist. I don't think he's a bigot or anything. But he definitely doesn't understand black people. He definitely don't understand. He's up there telling, talk, trying to talk to me about race and shit. I'm like, buddy, fuck off. Beat it. Take a long walk off a short bridge, you fucking idiot. You're dummy. For example, there's all sorts of racial slurs for um, Irish people, Jewish people, um, Italian people, uh, Indian people, Asian people, indigenous people. There are all sorts of racial slurs for different um, ethnic groups out there. I never use them. Do you know why? Because it, it's an ugly word. These are ugly words that I'm sure these people don't want to hear. And there's no need for me to use them. There's no need for me to use them. And I know that it's got to reflect, at the very least, negatively on me. 
It's a sign of disrespect. It's a sign of um, ignorance to use these words. You're ignorant and you have no respect when you use these words. It's just as simple as that. So, hey, how I look at it as a black man in 2019, if these people want to use these words, well, you're going to get left behind, basically. Like, you know, as society moves forward, like, for example, the F word. You know the F word in the gay community. Now, that's a word I was raised with. When I was a child, when I was a teenager growing up, people used the F word to describe, you know, male weakness, male um, sensitivity, male, male um, yeah, sensitivity and weakness. They would use the F word. And I attached no sexual connotation to it. It was just a word we used. It was a funny word we used. And I was young enough growing up using that word that I remember using the word, but I also remember becoming a young man, like at 19, you know, 20 years old, seeing the societal shift where people were standing back and saying, yo, this is a word we don't want to hear. It's a negative word. It has a negative connotation. And it's hurtful in that community. And it's not just a joke. It's not just fun and games to use that word. It's very discriminatory. And um, not to put racism and... um, Not to put those two situations side by side, race and sexuality. But I totally understood that that was a word that is used for discrimination. And I don't need to use it. What do I need to use that word for? When I want to depict the funny, frivolous difference between a straight and a homosexual person, I just use the word gay. It's funny enough and it's not hateful. It's like, yeah, so I'm standing there and there's this gay guy. He's fussing over a fucking vacuum cleaner. Like, hmm, should I buy this vacuum? Shouldn't I buy this vacuum? That's why I hate going to Walmart. Or whatever the joke is, right? Some stupid thing, right? But if I want to depict the, the humor of the gay man or the gay woman, I use the word gay. That is non-hateful. It's just what it is. And it gets the point across. Just as if, if you want to use the... This is just now my conjecture. Actually, it's all my conjecture. This is how I feel. So fuck it. And... Um, <laughs> but... Uh, like, for example, if you want to, like, for example, if you want to drive home the point of a black person, right? You know, there's this black guy, you know, and he's, you know, he's rubbing cocoa butter on himself and he's, you know, mopping down his Jordans and, you know, checking his fade in the mirror or whatever, right? Mm, player. Like, you know, black, you know, there's this black guy, like it, the word black, like it kind of, it kind of makes that point without being discriminating, you know, just kind of like the way you say, oh, there's this gay guy and he's um, fussing over, you know, the laundry at the laundromat or whatever. Eh, I gotta fold my laundry, this gay guy. It makes that point. It, it shows the humor without being disrespectful, at least in my opinion. And not that I, not that I, and what I care about is having respect. I mean, I could laugh at gay people because they're fucking hilarious when they're fussing over their little gay things or whatever, little gay shenanigans. It's funny. 
but I'm not being disrespectful. And black people, I could laugh at black people too, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I'm a part of that community, so I don't even have to describe it. So I'm basically talking about respect and how words, if you use certain words, you're just opening yourself up to be labeled as ignorant and disrespectful. And I don't know, it's just been a scent. It's been a scent that's been in the air lately. This fucking racist, prejudicial, prejudiced scent. (laughs) Smells like racism. Is that racism cooking? And uh, it's just been weird that way. What's your opinion? If you've got any questions, queries, or qualms with what I just said, questions, queries, or qualms, hit me up jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. How do you view um, the words of racism, the words of discrimination? What's your viewpoint? And um, last night, um, I went out for a walk. Yesterday afternoon, really. Yesterday afternoon, I went out for a walk, and I was kind of deflating from the week. It was Saturday, and... You know, I'm out there and I'm going for a walk and, um, you know, more, 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 more racial tension. There was a Palestine, a free Palestine rally going on. I did a rough estimation. I I counted the crowd. Roughly, I guessed it to be around a thousand, probably more. It's a big rally for Palestine, free Palestine, in downtown Toronto. It was along, um, where was it where I saw them? I saw them at University and uh, Dundas. So right in the heart of downtown, I saw, um, yeah, this free Palestine rally. Free, free Palestine. Free, free Palestine. Free, free Palestine. Free, free Palestine. Down with Benjamin Netanyahu. USA is a puppet for Israel. Down with Israel. Down with Israel. Down with Israel. Free, free Palestine. USA is a puppet to Israel. There's like all this fucking tension, tension. And you saw it in the people, man. People were in the crowd. Like it didn't get violent, but there was police officers everywhere. There was um, policemen on horse, policemen and women on horseback. <laughs> Stupid fucking police pigs on horseback. And, you know, I mean, thankfully they were there, I guess, you know holding down the peace, even though they annoy the shit out of me. I mean, it was a tense situation, man. You saw people kind of getting in people's faces and heated and arguing. And as far as I know, what's going on at uh, between Palestine and Israel is, um, well, number one, Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, the prime minister, the president, the whatever of Israel, Israel, he uh, he's on the cusp of being booted out, impeached over uh, different corruption scandals 
like any politician, but uh, I mean, that's just what I've read in the paper. I'm not exactly on the up and up of that. I got to do a little bit more research. And also the conflict between Palestine and Israel, as far as I know, is um, basically after World War II, as part of reparations for the Holocaust, the UN or whatever gave the Jewish people the land of Israel. They gave them that area, which was basically just uh, taken from Palestine, more or less, to my understanding. Maybe I need more education on that. This is just what I remember from school. This is kind of what my thought of it is. I don't put much thought into it. I mean, come on. I'm just trying to eat. I'm just trying to eat and I'm just trying to pay these bills. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, but uh, that's how I feel. Not how I feel, but that's how I know the situation. And in a lot of ways, the Palestinian people are right. They got kind of handed the shorthand of the stick. But then again, the atrocities of the Holocaust. I mean, come on. I'm not going to deny that or uh, hate on that. So, like, they both have these equal points. But, much like human beings are, we can't get along. So, and uh, it was just in the air. The palpable fucking racial tensions. Free, free Palestine. Down with Israel. It's fucked up. But, um, you know... What it did was it kind of inspired me to learn more about my world, you know, because there's a lot of changes going on within me. That's what I've noticed. Yes, there's a lot of changes going on within me. Um, and it's a good thing. Sometimes, um, you know, they say there's pain in growth. Isn't that what they say? Like, uh, I feel like I'm growing and I'm demanding more of myself and, you know, Instead of just callously turning my head to this protest, it got me hungry for knowledge. I'm like, I want to know what's really going on. I want to know what's really going on in the world in general. And then when I saw that racial tension at Dollarama, you know, you fuck you, you fuck you, you dibble dabble dibble dabble do, you white bitch, fuck you. Okay, sir, keep talking, sir, keep talking, sir. Fuck you, you nigger. When I saw that whole fucking Dollarama sh- fucking uh, charade, that got me hungry for knowledge. I'm like, I gotta, you know, I, you know, as a black man, I'm pretty on the up and up of who I am, but I gotta learn more. And it just got me all hungry for knowledge. And I got hungry to better myself. And, you know, shaking, shaking off the cobwebs of this stupid depression that I was in, you know, I'm really ready to go forward and just demand more of myself and use my time better and not take not take things for granted. You know what I mean? I see a lot of dumb shit in the world sometimes and I don't want to take the good for granted. And I don't want to waste time in negativity. And I want to be educated about my fellow man and woman and um, in-betweens. You know, there's room for everybody at God's table, as they say. (laughs) So it's like, I just want to know. 
And moving forward, I'm just like trying to, I don't know, hold it down the best I can. You know what I mean? It's not easy, but we're, we're trying. We're trying, right? Today I got some interesting things going on. Uh, well, <clears throat> not really. It's laundry day. <laughs> uh, it's what time is it right now? It's five. It's it's five fifty-five in the a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Five fifty-five in the a.m. Well, five fifty-four technically. So after this recording, I'm gonna go and do some laundry. Yes, there's a funky little laundry mat around the corner from my home, and uh, they pump the tunes. So it's fun. I just go and I throw my laundry in and, you know, kind of chill out for a minute and enjoy the music. So I'm going to go do some laundry, play some bass guitar. I play the bass guitar, so I'm going to fuck around on my bass guitar today. Fuck around, you know, get a workout in. As I mentioned, demanding more. I am done with sugars and starchy foods for the while. I'm going to get back to my eating healthy, which I'm pretty good at doing. Keep maintaining my body, which I'm good at doing. Try to take myself to the next level with my fitness. A little less conversation, a little more action. So fuck it. I'll keep you posted. And um, stand-up comedy, baby. Stand-up comedy. I'm going to go do some stand-up comedy tonight. So, you know, for any of y'all listening out there that, you know, have those issues from time to time as well, you get a little depressed, a little deflated, a little disillusioned, you got to keep your head up. They say the blacker the better, the sweeter the juice, I say the darker the flesh then, the deeper the roots. I give a shout out to my women on welfare, Tupac cares, if ain't nobody else care, you know, Tupac cares, I care. And for all those problems out there, ladies and gentlemen, let's just keep it together. Let's keep it positive. And uh, let's fuck, for God's sakes. You gotta love your life, motherfucker. You gotta love your life. It's your chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtra, reporting live for duty on this magnificent June 2nd in the year of our Lord. 2019. If you got any questions or queries on qualms on the podcast, what we talked about this week, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, you live it, you love it, you realize it. All right? Peace. (laughs) 